every Sunday morning, an elder, Ryan and myself, we grab a few minutes to pray. We pray that as we gather together that we will honour God. We pray that everyone who walks through the door will, will know Jesus in a better way. Jesus will be more real to them. Often I'll pray for the sermon along these lines. Uh, Lord, may the afflicted be comforted and the comfortable afflicted. Do you think that's a good thing for a pastor to pray that prayer? The first bit's pretty good, isn't it? If people come here and they're discouraged, lonely, um, grieving, that they'll be comforted. But those that are comfortable and cruising, I'm praying you'll be challenged, maybe even afflicted. So we pray. Last week, uh, Anne-Marie was on duty and Ryan, so I said, let's have a wee pray. Let's gather together. And as the word slipped out of my mouth, I thought to myself, actually, that's not right, is it? We is a Scottish term for small, and I was saying, let's have a small prayer. But we don't pray small prayers. Our God is a big, wonderful, generous God. Knows no bounds. Mighty in power. Open-handed in his kindness. No prayers to God are small. When we pray, we lift our eyes from the floor. We look to the heavenly places. We see the clouds. We pray for open doors and blessings, and we do this with a grateful heart. We are devoted in prayer, watchful and thankful, and so we pray, as I'm about to do now as we come to God's word. And though this prayer may be short, it is not we. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we explore this passage on prayer, we pray that your spirit will guide us, Inspire us, encourage us in our own prayer life, both individually and as a church. May you be honoured as your words are spoken this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, a couple of weeks ago, uh, we compared prayer to seeding the clouds. And we saw back then how a young scientist, Vincent Schaefer, 1952, took a flight in a single-engine plane. And beside him, he had three kgs of dry ice. He flew directly into the middle of a cumulus cloud and was bumped and bashed around, and then he tipped his precious uh, payload out into the clouds. About 20 minutes, half an hour later, uh, the clouds bucketed down with rain, and the parched and dry land below uh, uh, had a downpour. It was nurtured, nourished. And prayer is a lot like this. When we pray, we seed the clouds. We pray God's blessings. Here we come, very small, like our three kgs of dry ice, we pray our prayers and pray that those people we're praying for and ourselves will experience the blessings of God in a big and wonderful way, that lives of those people who are parched and thirsty will be blessed. Why do we do this? We do this because prayer makes a difference. Prayer is life-giving. Prayer is powerful. Prayer connects us with the living God. And if you talk to Christians, most, if not all Christians, especially those that are honest, will say, oh, I struggle in prayer, even those who are saints among us. And I used this quote a couple of weeks ago, and I love this quote because it's so true. Uh, Can we just have the remote uh, going, thanks? Here we go. Here we go. I love this quote by John Donne. I neglect God and his angels for the noise of a fly. So we're settling down to prayer and it's quiet and then there's this buzz 
and suddenly our attention is on the buzz, whether it's the buzz of a fly or the buzz of our mobile phone. We're so easily distracted. So how do we move from distraction to devotion, from small prayers to expansive prayers to feeling guilty over our lack of prayer life to being joyfully immersed in the presence of God? How do we seed the clouds so God's blessings fall on those who wander in a dry and a parched land? Well, that's why I want to open up today's passage in Luke to help us find out. We're going to start with six short words that we find in verse 32. So Luke 22, verse 22, Jesus speaking, but I have prayed for you. Jesus said, but I have prayed for you. Now, this was Jesus' practice while he was with his disciples. And we see it not only here, but we see it in that magnificent prayer in John 17, where he is praying for his disciples. <clears throat> and we see this verse 9, John 17, verse 9. God, uh, Jesus is speaking to his heavenly Father, saying, I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. Verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. And these verses hint at more wonderful news to come. You see, Jesus is not just praying for the 12, but he's praying for all those who will become Christians, disciples, because of the ministry of the 12. And maybe, just maybe, Jesus' prayers will not stop at his departure. And of course, this is confirmed in, in Romans chapter 8, verse 34. And the Apostle Paul writes this, Who is he who condemns? Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God, and also interceding for us. Will he condemn us? No. But did you notice that wonderful phrase there? Jesus who is also interceding for us. Present tense, continuous, which means that Jesus right at this moment is at the right hand of God praying for you and I. He's praying for you and I. And what are his prayers? What's he praying for? Well, many things, no doubt. But let's look at the context of our Luke passage to see three things that Jesus is praying for us. When he said, but I have prayed for you, who was he talking to? What did he pray and what's the context? Well, if you have a look at the passage that's in front of you uh, in your news sheet or in your Bible, you'll see that it's the Last Supper. Jesus has just celebrated Passover with the Twelve. He straighted the disciples out yet again, who have been arguing which is the greatest. <laughs> and he finishes these words, after giving them a bit of a gentle scold, he finishes with these words here in verse 31 of Luke 22. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat, but I have prayed for you. I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith will not fail, and when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. In verse 33, but Peter replied, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. Now this context helps us understand what Jesus is praying for us at the moment. Uh, no doubt he's praying more than this, but there are at least three things he's praying for. Jesus is praying that we will be protected, protected from the devil's schemes, protected from being sifted by Satan. The second thing that Jesus is praying for is that we will be faithful, that we will not fall away. And thirdly, that we will strengthen our sisters and brothers. We will serve our sisters and brothers. We will strengthen them. 
So these are the three things that Jesus prayed for there and no doubt is praying for us at the right hand of the throne of God. So let's see and explore those three things briefly. First of all, protected. Our Luke passage tells us that <coughs> we are protected. Jesus prays that we will be protected from the sifting, the schemes, and, and the plots of the devil. Satan probes our weaknesses and when he can, and he, he will go for the jugular. However, in so many ways, Jesus' prayers are protecting us from a multitude of unseen dangers. Imagine if we could look back last week to see how many times Jesus' prayers have protected us from the schemes of the devil. Indeed, when we reach the hilltops of heaven, and if we look back to where God has led us, we will overflow in praise as we see how much mischief was undone by our dear Saviour's prayers. How we will, looking back on our life, thank Jesus that he did not hold his peace as he sat at the right hand of the throne of God, that he did not tire in his prayers for you and me night and day as he prayed to his heavenly Father, how he drew the Lord of the universe's attention to the wounds in his hands and his feet and his side and said, I died for Douglas. Please forgive him. Protect him. Keep him faithful. If you believe in Jesus with all in your heart, then Jesus is praying for you by name that you will be protected from the schemes and the sifting and the plots of the devil. What a wonderful God we follow. Second thing that Jesus is praying for, we see this in the Luke passage, that we will remain faithful, that we will not turn away, drift away, fall away, walk away from Jesus. That when trials come to test us, and they will, Jesus protects us from the schemes of the devil, but he allows difficult times to come into our lives to test us and strengthen us. And so Jesus is praying when these trials come, we will not wither like a plant in rocky soil under the scorching summer sun. Jesus is praying we will not be distracted by the deceit of wealth nor the cares of this world as like a plant growing among the weeds and the thorns. Jesus is praying that we will be like a plant in the good soil, that we will be watered and nourished and grow and multiply 30, 60 times. And then what does this look like? This is what Jesus is praying for, for you and I, that we will be faithful and that we will flourish so that we can in turn serve. From this passage, we see that Jesus is praying that, Paul, uh, that Peter will strengthen, will serve his brothers and sisters. And we see this in verse 32. Jesus says, And when you have turned back, Peter, strengthen your brothers. We know the story, don't we? We know that that night, Peter, he, though he claimed he would go to prison, even die for Jesus, we know that in a few short hours, he will deny his Savior three times. And yet a few days after the resurrection, Jesus meets Peter on the lakeside. We know the story. Uh, Jesus, uh, Peter calls some of, his, some of his friends, the disciples. They decide to go fishing. They're out all night. Nothing happens. It's dawn. Jesus sees a man on the beach and knows it's Jesus. So he swims, jumps out of the boat and swims, and there's Jesus preparing a fish meal. 
And then there is this wonderful conversation. Three times Jesus has asked this question. Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? And three times Peter replies, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And then three times Jesus said, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. Strengthen your brothers. Now, why do you think Jesus asked Peter this three times? Why, why did he ask three times, do you love me? Because he had not long denied Jesus three times. Isn't our Saviour wonderful? Three times denied and three times his love affirmed. But notice that it was also three times, strengthen your brothers and sisters, serve. So Jesus is praying for many things for us at the right hand of the throne of God, but included in that he's praying for our protection from Satan's scheming and sifting, to we would be faithful and not fall away, and that we would be equipped and empowered to strengthen each other. And as Jesus prayed for Peter and his disciples on the night he was betrayed, after he has ascended to the right hand of the throne of God, he continues to pray for us. And this has tremendous implications for us as how we pray. Because, that Je because Jesus prays for us is the very reason we can pray at all. <laughs> if Jesus hadn't gone to the cross, if Jesus is not praying for us now, we would be barred from the gates of heaven in prayer. But because of what Jesus did on the cross, because he is faithful in prayer for you and I, we can come into the very presence of the living God. Let me tell you a story that I hope will make this clear. During the Civil War, there was a soldier who had lost both his brother and his father as casualties of war on the same day. Of course, this young lad was devastated, but he was also devastated for his mother and sister because they were back on their family farm and they were struggling as it is. And what would happen to them if he was maimed badly or killed? They would be destitute. And so he got permission from his commanding officer to travel to Washington to visit the president where he would plead his case. And so he arrived at the White House gates, but he was turned away by the guard. You can't see the president, young man. Don't you know there's a war going on? He's busy. Get back to the front lines where you belong. And so this young soldier left. He was devastated, crestfallen, not knowing what to do. So disheartened, he collapsed on a park bench not far from the White House. And while he was sitting there, a little boy came up and paused and noticed how sad the young man was looking. Soldier, said the young lad, why are you unhappy? What's, what's wrong? And the soldier looked up, and with tears in his eyes, he just it all came out. How his father and brother had died on the first day, how concerned he was about the desperate situation at home, and how he had tried to get to the president and was barred at the gates. And the little boy listened and said, well, I can help. And he took the soldier by the hand and led him back to the front gate of the White House. Apparently, the guard didn't notice them because they weren't stopped this time. And then the two walked straight in the front door, into the White House, and they walked right past the generals and other high-ranking officials, and no one said a word. And the soldier, he couldn't understand it. Uh, why weren't they being stopped? Why weren't they being questioned? And the young lad led him to the Oval Office and knocked on the door, went straight in, didn't ask for a how's your father or anything like that, just walked in. 
And there was Abraham Lincoln and the Secretary of State looking over battle plans. And so Abraham Lincoln looked up and saw the boy and saw the soldier and said, Good afternoon, Todd. Can you introduce me to your friend? Because the little boy was Todd Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln's son. Dad, the soldier needs to talk to you, and I think you need to listen. And the soldier pleaded his case before Abraham Lincoln, and right there got the exemption he desired. So let me ask you this. What was the difference for that young soldier between the gates being barred and the gates being opened? What was the difference for that young soldier between having an audience with the president and being denied? It was nothing to do with the soldier, was it? <laughs> it was all to do with the son. And that's all the difference in the world. And in a very similar and more wonderful way for us, Jesus, God's dearly loved son, allows us access to the very throne room, the very, very throne room of the God of the universe, the living God, the creator of all things. And there we have a freedom to bring our hopes and our fears, our dreams and our hurts, our requests, all with a sense of gratitude. And not only this, not only do we have free access, but in a much more wonderful way, no doubt that young lad Todd spoke up for, for his soldier friend. Dad, listen to this guy. <laughs> listen to him. In the same way, this is what Jesus is doing for you and I every moment of the day. But especially when we come into his prayer. When we think of the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus said, when you pray, go into your closet and close the door. And then Jesus taught them the Lord's Prayer. So when we pray, when we go into our closet, when we go into that space that we carve out each morning or each evening or whenever, when we go and pray and draw near to God in prayer, we are never, never alone. Because Jesus has got there before us. And he started the prayer meeting. <laughs> He's already praying for us. And you know, when we've said our prayers, whether we've been distracted or focused, whether they've just been a few words because we're struggling or because it just all gushes out, when we close the door to our prayer room, Jesus continues to pray for you and I, praying that we will be protected from the schemes of the devil, praying that we will remain faithful and praying that we will find ways to strengthen our brothers and sisters. What a mighty God we serve. What a delight it is to draw into his presence to pray, as we will do now. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us to catch a sense of awe every time we come into your presence. Yes, it's wonderful to flick up prayers to you during the day as they come to mind, and we know that you love that, but it's also good for us to draw that quiet time aside, shut the closet door, whatever that looks like, and spend time with you. Help us to have that sense of awe. Help us to catch a beauty of Jesus. Help us to bring our prayers to you, knowing that we can see the clouds and that that brings you great joy. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Mm -hmm.